It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines. And, John, we definitely appreciate you this afternoon. And I don't know about you, but there's not a whole lot going on in the NFL these days. Uh, no, Very exactly. boring. Very boring is. <laughs> punishment and the the fines and the loss of draft picks for the Miami Dolphins for tampering with Tom Brady Sean Payton uh what did you think of the whole thing the way it shook out just uh just the way the NFL punished the the Miami Dolphins I thought that Brady and uh Payton when Payton comes back he should have had some kind of penalty and Brady should have because they didn't tamper with him and his agent they could have just said no obviously they didn't and uh it's amazing Brady being in so many scandals. <laughs> and uh, the penalty, they gave up five draft choices for Tyreek Hill. They sacrificed uh, next year's pick. I believe, Q, they have a 49ers first-round pick to complete the Trey Lance trade. And uh, the money, of course, is a mere pittance for a multi-billionaire. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, I think that Stephen Ross is delusional because he put out a release saying he'd been exonerated on the thing about tanking. Well, he was not. It was strongly worded by the NFL. But the key is there's nothing that can happen to the NFL queue that would affect its popularity. It's foolproof except in one area. If the public, which is about to help the NFL make $100 billion over five years, ever thought the games were not on the up and up, that would affect the league. And so I think the league just wanted the tamp- tanking to go away because they they won seven games. The reason Flores got fired is uh, is because he wouldn't do it. And the thing is, and I keep thinking about, if they they this has got to be weird for Mike McDaniel, their new coach, mm-hmm. and Tua Tagovailoa because they could add Justin Herbert. And then here the, the owner was trying to get another coach and another quarterback after they blew it and passed up on Herbert. So what kind of confidence is Tua going to have? And Mike McDaniel wondering, could I be a one-and-done? Well, I've never thought that Peyton would go into Miami. I think he's going to Dallas. And I asked a couple of friends of mine that cover the Cowboys what Mike McCarthy had to do to keep his job. And they said they thought – he had to go to the Super Bowl. Mm. Wow. That's a lot. That's saying a lot, especially now we're seeing the Cowboys already down with a couple guys are are pretty banged up, so that's going to be interesting. But, man, uh, I, I can see Sean Payton, no doubt about it, being a Dallas Cowboys head coach uh, coming back next season. That's that's one of those things that's almost uh, inevitable, right? It just feels like it's, it's going to be the fit that's going to be there. Uh, going back to Brian Flores real quick, uh, how much does what came out today kind of solidify what he's been saying the whole time with his lawsuit and everything? Guys, that happened so far long ago, I can't remember anymore what his lawsuit said. But the <laughs> bottom line was, it made him look like, you know, where where Stephen Ross had denied everything, right? And 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 basically, he called Brian Flores a liar. But this shows that Brian Flores was not a liar. Now, Flores and his lawyers said when they went public, they had uh, irrefutable proof about the tanking offer of a hundred thousand a game. Well, obviously, they didn't or the league would have got him on that, too. 
Right. No, that's a good point. We're talking with John McClain right now here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. And then yesterday, uh, the big news about Deshaun Watson and the six-game suspension. And uh, many people, including myself, thought six games was definitely not enough. But that's what happened. That was outside of the NFL. It wasn't the NFL's rulings. What did you think of the six-game suspension for Watson? I think it was incredibly lenient. If you read her ruling, she just eviscerated Watson, called him a sexual predator, said he went into those sizes with sex, sexual intent, not therapeutic intent, and just killed him and said it was egregious. And when I started reading it, Q, I thought, well, let me get to the bottom and see, is he gone for a year is it, or is it indefinite? And it was six games I was stunned. And the reason she said six is because it wasn't violent uh, sexual assault. People here have been talking, well, if she'd have been in that room with him, right? and he would have done to her what all the plaintiffs said that he did to them, but she might not have thought it wasn't violent. Now, Goodell can appeal and to himself and say he extended it two games. Maybe Watson doesn't sue. His attorney who represents the union, Jeffrey Kessler, loves to go to court against the NFL. So if they go to federal court, then Watson gets to play until a judge does like it did with Brady. They, the court finally gets around to it and says, hey, you guys made this a part of your collective bargaining. Don't don't bother us. But And what if, what if, Q, that he was suspended like Brady the next season? In this case, when you're going to make $45 million instead of one. Right. I'm guessing the Browns would be scrambling to redo that contract to to where the fine would be minimal per game uh, based on his $45 million. So um, if you know the owners don't want to do the Browns any favors, they hate the Haslam's. That $230 million guaranteed has caused problems for every team, starting with Baltimore and then next year with Cincinnati and the Chargers. And so they want him to get stuck as bad as they can, but he may just leave it. As it is, I don't think he will, but he might, because he wanted a year. Right. But if he leaves it as it is, then they can go about talking about football, but it'll be an initial fallout all over the country. But, you know, they've had controversy before. Hey, John, I'm a little conflicted on this, but is this a win for the Players Union and that association that it says that Roger Goodell just can't make up the rules as he's go, as he go along and dual out punishment as he sees fit with this independent arbitrator, giving him only a six-game suspension? DeMond, that's the way it was written up in the CBA. But the fact is Goodell can do what he wants. He's the, he's the last word. And if he says, okay, I'm appealing to me, and say... Q worked for him. He said, Q, I want you to handle this appeal. And then Q's ready to make his ruling, and he says, uh, Commissioner, I'm going to give him another uh, six. What do you think? No, give him two. Yes, sir. So <laughs> Goodell's still making the final decision. And why the players let him do that in the CBA is beyond me. But they always, and to get more days off and to get it easier in the off season and OTAs, they give up things you think they wouldn't give up including let him be the last. It is preposterous to me that Watson, his situation is unprecedented in the history of sports at any level, has a suspension equal to DeAndre Hopkins, who had a trace of amount of an illegal substance in his system, and it's, let's say, 11 games less 
than Calvin Ridley, who bet 1,250 in his own name on football. And, and here, this guy had 25 women file civil suits. Others came forward. They all accused him of the same thing. And the judge, Sue L. Robinson, agreed with them in her explanation. Yeah, that, that's the one. That's the part that blew my mind is that she agreed with them. She found everything that she found, and still it ended up being six games. We're talking again with John McClain here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. What, what do you think that message sends to all the female fans of the NFL or ladies that work in the NFL? They're not going to like it, and there's not a thing they can do about it. It's not going to hurt the popularity at all. I know a lot of women in the media in Northeast Ohio, I'm sure they're blasting them, waiting to see what Goodell does. And it, it tells me that if you do what his, he did, you get off lightly. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any, even any fine in there. Besides getting the $230 million guaranteed, he made $10.54 million base salary last season. He got a $27 million signing bonus the year before, so he's not going to the poorhouse. Now, the settlements, even to say they were – Say they were a million each. I'm guessing they're not, but we'll never know. Then that's, hey, 20, $24 million after all the money he's made. That's tip money for Watson. Right. Hey, John, in the Haslam statement yesterday, they said that, hey, Deshaun, he's shown his remorse. I haven't seen uh. anything where he said he's shown <laughs> remorse on anything. Have you seen anything that Deshaun Watson has at least even said, my bad, I was acting up? I saw in the initial news conference he said he had no regrets. Why should he? He didn't do anything. All of them are making it up. And uh, he didn't need to go to counseling. Well, you know what? Now he's going to counseling. And he has to use a massage therapist with the Browns. He can't do anything on his own. I guess the reason he never said any of that, DeMond, is because that would be an admission of guilt that he contended all along he wasn't guilty. Man, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, that's that's there. There's that is wild. You know, it really is. And uh, the ownership there in Cleveland. I mean, they they've got their own situations that they've been working with as far as ever since they they uh, made the move for Deshaun Watson. I feel like they've made a lot of missteps. But again, that's that's what they choose to do. We're talking with John McClain here on Radio Nation Radio nine twenty unnecessary roughness. Now, John, I fly out for the Hall of Fame tonight. I'm excited about being in Canton, Ohio again. The Hall of Fame game is on Thursday, and we know we're not going to see a whole lot, but it's football. It's right around the corner it's back uh what what should folks be on the lookout for what typically you know should should people be looking for in the hall of fame game well first in the hall of fame you need to go in the building and find my name and take a picture and send it and send it to me and uh you know the game itself the only thing i was ever interested about in the hall of fame game is hoping and keeping your fingers crossed that guys don't get hurt right because that you know at some point they're not going to not do it but Everything they're doing now is trying to avoid injury. And you're going to watch the young players. You don't need to watch veterans. And the key is as we get closer to the end of preseason, but that's the only thing I think about. I don't. I watch the ceremony. I never watch the game. But I keep up closely on social media to make sure nobody got hurt. Like the Broncos today lost yeah. two players in practice with season-ending knee injuries. And I'm thinking, man, that reminded me of last year. Ravens lose their top yep. three running backs in a short span and it just drives the coaches nuts yeah it's it's i mean that's what it is that practice when the ravens lost all those guys back to back to back and then today as you mentioned the denver broncos two acl tears and two guys are out 
of the season. So that's just that's just what it is. Uh, the Raiders play the Jaguars, and we just talked to Mike DiRocco from ESPN. Uh, what are your thoughts on Doug Peterson being able to coach up Trevor Lawrence? How much should that help him? Well, one thing that um, that I remember when the Eagles won the Super Bowl and Carson Wentz was having an MVP season until he blew out his knee, then Nick Foles came in and was Super Bowl MVP. Frank Reich was coaching those guys, not Doug Peterson. So right. Peterson is the antithesis of Urban Meyer. He's a class act. Everybody loves the guy. He'll, <clears throat> he'll smooth the turbulent waters in Jacksonville, but they're still coming off a two-win season. But Lawrence is a generational talent, and I think he'll make significant improvement under the current regime. But they need to get him some better weapons at skill positions. You know, they've got James Robinson and Travis Etienne at running back. Robinson's been hurt part of his first two years. He's a really good back when he's healthy. Their defense needs to get better. I, I want to see, and here's an example, the Jaguars almost always pick high. And it doesn't pay off for them. You know, the players worn out when their first contract's up, some more than that. And then you look at the Browns, they've been awful, and they've been stockpiling picks, and they got talent all over the roster. They've done such a great job, and the Jaguars have done such a terrible job. But because it's Peterson and Lawrence, everybody is going to keep a close eye on them. What do you think about Josh McDaniels? He gets his first opportunity to be, uh, you know, on the sideline as the head coach again, and he's going back to his home. You know, he played high school games there uh, in Tom Benson Stadium. So what are your thoughts on Josh McDaniels just moving forward going into this uh, regular season? And he played in college and right up the road in Cleveland. So I'm sure, you know, he's all business. He'll have family and friends there. But the test for Josh McDaniels is going to be over the course of the season in the best division in the NFL, maybe the best division in NFL history, top to bottom. And so it'll be it'll test of time, and so much will depend on injuries. But hopefully he learned a lot from that brief bad experience in Denver, and he'll be a much better coach than he was then and keep the Raiders in contention to win the division. All right, John, last one for me. The Astros have made a bunch of moves at the deadline. Are they your favorites to at least make it to the World Series from the American League? Well, they still got to go against the Yankees. They're five and two against the Yankees. They have one more uh, series against them. The Yankees have really loaded up. The Astros got better with outfielder Trey Mancini and catcher Christian Vasquez, reliever Will Smith, who was fabulous in last year's playoffs when the Braves won the World Series has been terrible this season. So the Astros have needed a lefty in the bullpen. They've gotten better. Are they good enough to continue to beat the Yankees? That will all depend on their pitching staff. They have done a tremendous job against the Yankees other than Aaron Judge. But nobody, nobody can get Aaron Judge out right now. (laughs) <laughs> right, he's playing for that big-time contract. That's what he's doing right now, and he's winning in a major way. But I'll say this, John, the Astros, they're playing some really good ball against the Yankees. I mean, like you said, against Aaron Judge, nobody can get him out, but they seem like that they have the Yankees' number. I think Yankee fans are really concerned about playing against uh, Houston. In seven games, the Yankees have never led in one inning. Mm. In their two wins, they were walk-off homers by Judge. Not one inning have they led the Astros. There you go. Enough said right there. That's the great John McClain joining us here on Necessary Roughness. John, what are you working on uh, these days that we need to be on the lookout for? 
Well, I'm tweeting. I'm McLean underscore on underscore NFL, and I believe in the next couple of weeks I'll be able to tell you guys about two new ventures where I'll be that'll have me writing four columns a week on the NFL and the college football, and I'm excited about that. I just can't disclose it. But hopefully you guys will help me promote it, as you always have. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to it, John. We appreciate you as always, my man. And as soon as I get to Canton and I see that picture and that name, John McClain, I'm going to take a picture and send it to you. Here, that sounds great. I hope you and DeMond have a great rest of the week. Thank you very much. Will do. There he goes, the great John McClain with us here from uh, the Houston Chronicle talking all things NFL. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Nice little tease. A couple weeks from now we'll find out exactly what John's working on. And uh, you can never keep him down, man. You know that he's going to keep on working, keep on writing, keep doing what he does, and I could appreciate that. So uh, John McClain, who is a Hall of Famer in himself, I'll have to go there to, the, to Canton and, and go into the hall and take a picture of his name and send it to him just like he requested. 318 is the time. Many thanks to John. When we come back, get to some text messages. we got a bunch of them at 69187 keyword R&R. Make sure you put that keyword in there, R&R, so we make sure that we get your message. Who are you going to be paying attention to? What position group do you want to look at and focus in on Thursday in the Hall of Fame game? This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy, Q. Coming up at 3.30, Van McElroy, former Raider safety, Super Bowl champ, He'll join the show to talk all things Cliff Branch, and this is going to be a celebration of Cliff this upcoming weekend in Canton, Ohio. Very excited about the opportunity to head out to Canton and uh, enjoy the festivities. Of course, see the Hall of Fame game on Thursday, cover that. Looking forward to uh, access to the team following the game, you know, a little uh, locker room action, all that good stuff. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. But uh, coming up at 3.30, we'll talk with Van McElroy, all things Cliff Branch. Got a few text messages that I want to get to on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, talking about the players that you'll be paying the most attention to in preseason game number one coming up on Thursday. And uh, we know that this preseason game, you're not going to see Derek Carr. You're not going to see uh, Devontae Adams. You're not going to see big-time players like that. But there's still a lot that you could take away from that first preseason game. It's pretty funny. Uh, the, the league actually put out a, a preview of the game and a couple days ago, it was Trevor Lawrence and Derek Carr on the on the little flyer for the game, and now it's just the Raiders and the the Jaguars against uh, on the on the same flyer. So they've already removed the images of Derek Carr and uh, Trevor Lawrence. So obviously, neither one of those guys are going to be out there playing. But again, that's not expect, expected for them to play either in preseason game number one. Uh, maybe you'll see a little bit a series or two uh, in preseason game number two, and things will get ramped up in preseason game. Number three. So just want to know who you're going to be paying attention to. So hit us up. Salmon Ash text line 69187 keyword R&R. We did get a text from Peg Leg Raider talking about the Hall of Fame. He said, one last thing for anyone who loves the game. I highly recommend getting your hungover butt up and making it to the parade. I uh, I wasn't sure what to expect last year, and it was one of the best events I went to. That was from my guy, Peg Leg Raider. And, uh, yeah, the parade is actually, it's funny enough, the parade is one thing that I haven't been to yet at the Hall of Fame. I've been to the Hall of Fame a couple times, uh, to the festivities, and I just haven't had an opportunity. And it's funny because every time they have that parade, I'm doing a radio show. That's what every, that's what happens every single time. Uh, I'm doing some kind of show, and that's why I haven't been able to make it. And so I'm going to attempt to make it this year, and we'll see what happens. But I'll tell you right now, all the stuff I have lined up to do this upcoming weekend, starting tomorrow morning, bright and early tomorrow morning, when we land in uh, Cleveland and drive to Canton. Oh man, it's crazy. I mean, literally, I'm flying into Cleveland. Obviously, the Hall of Fame's in Canton. My hotel room is in Akron. I mean, so there's already three cities that I'm covering right there. So there's a lot going on. 
trust me, there's a lot going on uh, at, the, at the Hall of Fame. There's multiple radio shows that I'll be doing. I mean, it's just a ton. Then we have an extra special Saturday show that we're going to be doing leading into the enshrinement for the Hall of Fame, and that'll be from uh, 8 to 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And then, of course, the, the ceremony starts at 9 a.m. our time, but uh, noon at, uh, in, in, on the East Coast. So there you go. So we got a busy week, but I'm going to try to make the parade. I'm going to try to make everything I can, but that's not guaranteed that that's going to happen. Uh, going back out to the Salmon Ash text line, uh, we got a text from, let's see, I don't know who this one is. This is from an unnamed Texter, but it's from the 707. Not sure if you guys heard, but apparently Andrew Booth Jr. is turning heads at Vikings training camp. I knew he was going to be a stud, and I wish the Raiders could have found a way to move up and get him in the draft. And uh, he was a guy that a lot of people talked about. Now, I mean, it's early in training camp, so you got to see what happens. But uh, he could turn out to be a really good player. But I think that the Raiders not tra- trading up and doing what they did, they did just fine in the draft and, and getting the guys that they got and, of course, uh, making the moves for Devontae Adams as well. So I'm sure that all Raider fans are f- fine with uh, the Raiders draft and what they did this past year. Uh, Mailman Raider hit us up and said, Fargo kind of stole my answer, but I'll go a step further and say I'm going to be most focused on the schemes in place. We're running a 3-4-4-3 hybrids. Who's really getting it down and who isn't? We've been hearing a ton of good out of camp, but it ain't good till it's on the field when it counts. So uh, that's uh, Mailman Raider right there talking about what he's going to be looking for in this game coming up. Uh, Geesmo said, hey, Q, it's game week, preseason game number one. I'm keying in on the entire starting offensive unit. If I was coaching, I'd dedicate one entire series to the offensive starters to see how they manage running Josh McDaniels' new system on tape. If that happens, I'm keying in on the unit as a whole. Can they put together a clean, efficient, mistake-free drive that results in jackpot? I'm looking, these, I'm looking at these guys to set the tone for the season. Just one series, one successful drive. That's all I need to see, and that's from Geese Mode. And I'll say this, uh, you're not going to see the offensive starters in that, uh, that first drive, in that first game. I don't expect to see that at all. You might see a couple of the guys on, along the offensive line that are, are potential starters, but I would highly doubt. And I know that Josh McDaniels left the door open, but I would highly doubt that you're going to see any starters uh, for, the game, for the Raiders on, uh, on Thursday. I just don't see it since they have four preseason games. They're just going to go ahead and try to make sure, like John McClain said, they get out of this game healthy. And there's injuries going on all around the league right now. We'll tell you about that coming up at 4.30 for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day. 3.27 is the time. When we come back, we'll be talking to former Raider safety Van McElroy. He's a Super Bowl champ. He was a teammate of Cliff Branch. We'll get his thoughts on Cliff coming up next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Keeping the party rolling, getting excited about heading out to Canton, Ohio for the Hall of Fame. Of course, the enshrinement's on Saturday. The game, Raiders and Jaguars, is on Thursday. But one special guy to everyone involved with the Raiders, Raider Nation, of course, his former teammates as well. That would be one Cliff Branch. And join us now on the phone lines to talk about Cliff Branch is former Raider safety, Super Bowl champ Van McElroy. And, Van, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. As always, we definitely appreciate you. And before we deep dive into Cliff, Van, I mean, last time we talked, obviously uh, the tragedy in Uvalde had gone on. Uh, what's been going on lately? I know there's been a, some advancements. There's been a lot of people spend some money trying to, you know, improve things there. How's, how's things going there, first of all? I, I think they're going better. I, you know, I know this, that uh, as far as what the Raiders had contributed, they have already knocked the fences down and are starting to put up the rod, the rod iron uh, fencing that will uh, going its place, nice. and they're getting the doors and, and 
the cameras and all those things. Uh, so that part I know is, is going uh, forward. I, I think Rob School itself will be knocked over, and they're going to build a new school there. And and right. I know uh, there's been some help with that too. So I think I, I think all of that's going well. I, I think there the 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 issue is just going back and forth and 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 just re, you know reviewing everything that was done it just it gets it can get kind of ugly and it's just hard to always as always put yourself in anyone's shoes and so that part is a bit difficult right now but i think at least the part that you know uh, i certainly am concerned about is just going forward uh, allowing you know the kids that, that did uh lose their lives i mean something going forward that at least will will say hey you know we're doing this and we're gonna going forward we're gonna be safe Right, exactly, and we just never want to lose focus on that. You know, sometimes time goes by, and it's like, oh, hey, nothing happened here, nothing to look at, and there is, and yep. I don't, I don't ever want to lose focus in on that because we've got to get to the finish line somehow. So, just wanted to make sure I asked you about that off top. Again, we're talking with uh, Van McElroy here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. As far as this weekend's festivities, Van, I mean, we were able to hang out for a few minutes last year uh, when we were celebrating Tom Flores going in and Charles Woodson going in, but really, Coach, and so now we get to do it again with. Uh, Cliff Branch this upcoming uh, Saturday, matter of fact, this weekend, uh, even though Cliff's not with us. But uh, how exciting is it to know that Cliff Branch's name, his bust, will always be enshrined in, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Very exciting. And at least people can see uh, this guy. And I know they, they will have filmed and just different things of seeing how this guy operated. But uh, it, it's been so deserving. I'm so grateful that finally it's happened. It's going to be great to see a lot of guys. Gail and I will be there. Uh, Friday uh, evening, and uh, we'll be there for some things uh, Friday night, but uh, mainly all day Saturday, different events, and and everything's there for for Cliff. Everybody's excited. It's been it's been deserved for a long time, but but better late than never. And and we're just going to go and celebrate uh, his career, but just celebrate what a good guy he was too, man. Right, and that's the thing, and Mark Davis, the owner, has told us many times how that was his best friend, and he's super fired up. You know, he gets emotional when he even talks about Cliff, but what did Cliff Branch mean to to you, to your teammates, not only as a player, but just as a man in general? Well, just for me, for example, when I first got there, uh, you know, Q, listen, man, I was a white guy drafted in the Soul Patrol, brother. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, and so they're, you know, checking this dude out, going, okay, you know, and, and but Cliff, from the, uh, from the get-go, man, just took me aboard and, and really, you know, just made me feel a part, to be honest with you, and, and you know, how, how a man like that, especially as highly thought of as he was on the team and in the league, uh, to sort of take you on and, and encourage you and, and just, make you feel a part is huge and then he and lester hayes both uh were good about that but but no that that's what i noticed at the very beginning of this guy outside of being all he was on the field as an athlete was also a guy that really uh was a part of, of making that team a team i mean it just really was it was pretty cool to, to see how difficult was it, or maybe how much better did it make you guys as a defensive unit to have to go up against Cliff every day in practice? Oh, guys like that, just incredibly tough. I mean, we had some great receivers, and and but this guy was so, you know, the only way to describe Cliff really, and and you know, I don't even know if this word's in the in the dictionary or not. But and usually when you make words up, that that means 
you just can't find that right word. He's so so incredible. But he, he to me was uncoverable. I mean he just he he to me his best route was the the quick slant, even though he was a deep guy and he could just run past people and he always had the fear of that guy and that's that's really what he was all about is is, you know, don't you take what you want, not what you can get. And then with Cliff, you can oftentimes do that going deep. But but he had this uh, ability to to make make that little out move if I can try to to explain as best I can with with if he's on the left side with he was a Z on the left side and he's he's going up the field and about about that eight to ten yard mark where he's starting to get to that corner, he would push him hard with that left foot going up like he's going to just do what he always does, you know, take him up field and then all of a sudden cut across on that quick slant. And in the scene between the corner and the free safety, there's that little gap in there that, man, when you hit that thing just right, you, it, you can go all the way with a guy with, with his wheels. And, and, man, it was just so dangerous because here he was, he was scared to death him going up, but then all of a sudden, boom, he pumped that quick slant. And that deal, you just n- could not cover. Matter of fact, one of the scores, if, if anybody ever wanted to watch his quick slant, just, just go back and watch the Super Bowl, and you'll see a quick slant in for a score. The guy nearly fell over. <laughs> you know, these are NFL corners. They're not bad guys. <laughs> right, right. No, they're good. They're good. Again, we're talking with uh, Super Bowl champ Van McElroy, former Raider safety, talking all things Cliff Branch as he'll be enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this upcoming weekend. You know, one play that obviously stands out in, in NFL history was the 99-yard touchdown catch, uh, you know, and he, he runs, I don't know, 25, 30 yards with a, a pulled hammy. But uh, how much fun was it just to watch Cliff when you're standing on the sideline as a defensive unit just to watch Cliff and that offense go out there and perform? Well, not only just watching Cliff, but he just his his actions were so were so unique. You know, a lot of the speed guys like a Willie Galt, who could just you know world class sprinter, and as was Cliff, really uh, could get up on you so fast. But most of those guys, I don't say this in a bad way, but most of them were a little stiff, mm-hmm. and they weren't the bravest guys on the planet. I mean, they just weren't. And then you know, coming in on that inside stuff, they could get a little. Get it a little bit, but but Cliff just wasn't that way. I mean, if you watch him, man, he blocked. He, you know, and he just had his legs were just so strong. I mean, it was amazing to me to see. He, you know, he wasn't a big guy, and but he'd come in, uh, had no fear to block and, and do all those things, and, and just the idea of, of being on the field and knowing that everybody was scared to death that all of a sudden he's going to go up. But what does that do, you know, for, for the game? Well, what it does is that now the Todd Christensen of the world, you know, those guys can come up underneath because everybody's run off. You know, you got the corner, the safety uh, on one side, they're, they're gone. You've got linebackers that are probably dropping deeper than they normally would. So it allows all that underneath stuff uh, to, to take place, and, and and that's what a guy like that does. When they talk about just taking what you want, but 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 scaring the defense and and all of those things with one guy, that one guy does more than simply take it deep, you know, for for a big touchdown. He just clears the path open for a lot of other guys. You know, it's funny, as you describe what Cliff was able to do for the offense and just how he was able to open things up, I think about the current team as I've been out at training camp every day and a guy like Devontae Adams who's just a, a difference maker, and he's going to open things up for the rest of the offense as well. And I know he doesn't have the speed of a Cliff branch, but uh, that's what you're talking about is difference makers that can open it up and make the game easier. I mean, how, how big is that that the Raiders have currently a guy that could do that as well just in a different style? 
No, it's, it's, a, it's a huge part of the game, and especially a lot of teams, you know, play today, you know, they, they have their cover too deep for their quarters, and, 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 you know, not to get into explaining what the quarters uh, necessarily is, but 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 in those two defenses, and, and just say just take the two deep. That's a pretty simple deal. You've got you got two safeties in between the hash mark and the numbers. You know, right about a yard inside the numbers, and and they're going deep. And then you have all five other guys, the corners, linebackers up underneath there. But when you have this guy that can run the way he does, you usually have to run that cornerback. Both those cornerbacks have to get deeper just to cover the deep corner because the safety can't do it by himself. You know, a lot of guys, they can, but they'll pump, you know, they'll bump them with that, that inside leg to the post, which will turn that safety. And all of a sudden they pump out on that, that corner and it's wide open every time, unless that corner comes back. And I don't know if I'm explaining this, (laughs) but that corner has got to get some depth in there to, to keep that deep corner from happening. But what happens with that? Then you've got all these guys coming across the field shallow at about 10, 12 yards, and they're open all day long. So that's exactly what he will do uh, for the Raiders with the schemes uh, that these teams are running right now. I'll tell you right now, I don't, I don't know about you, but uh, I just hear you talking ball, man. I get excited myself. You know, like I have it pictured in my head, uh, just everything that's going on, the way you're breaking it down. How much fun is it for you as, uh, you know, a former Raider, a former safety, a Super Bowl champ, how much fun is it just for you to, to talk ball at times? I love it, man. And, you know, and, and people, I don't know that they truly understand the level uh, of, you know, just how deep you, you, you needed to get into the game. To, to be at that level of play, and uh, important, a large part of that is the film. And how much film? I know how much I would watch. You know, during the week, I, I, I would hate to tell people just they would think I had no life. But I literally <laughs> was looking for that person you know, on every scheme, whatever it is. What you know, if it was a uh, a near, far, eye, tight, all those are different formations of the offense, but they're all different. And one guy on that offense will give it away. If you will watch long enough, they will give it away. But the biggest thing is that, you know, I, I learned early on, if, if, if from a defensive perspective, if you can learn, you know, or figure out if it's run or pass before the ball snapped or right when the ball snapped, you can win the game. Because guys like Cliff, you know, you know they're going to go deep. And you know those safeties are going to have to be, you know, back there. But if you can at least – Knowing it's a run, just because of your ability to read the different uh, players on the line, then at least you can have the ability as a safety, and, and in this case, if they're in their quarters or their cover two, to come up and be part of the game versus being zero part of the game. Because a lot of times when you have those deep, deep guys, Q, that you're scared of, those two safeties are, you know, are farting around back there, man. They just don't, they don't get up and become part of the game, and that's. That's two less guys that those particular guys like Cliff have kind of taken out of the game, if, if you understand what I'm saying. And, and, and as a safety, you're sort of a late linebacker. Right. And you know, I prided myself on trying to get up there and, and meet those guys close to the line of scrimmage because I knew it was going to be run. Right. And, and it's just difficult. You just have to really think twice about it when you're in those schemes of defense, when you have a Cliff you know, or a Willie or – 
one of those type of guys out there because man, they they scare you, brother. They just <laughs> <laughs> you know what's you know what's so funny about that is I talked to Mike Haynes, who's obviously in the Hall of Fame as well. I talked to him uh, probably a month or so ago, and he was telling me about exactly what you were just saying. There's certain ways that guys would line up. There's certain ways that guys would tighten up their chin strap, or an offensive lineman would put his fingers and hand in the dirt a little bit stronger when it was a run. Like there was certain things from film study, like you're talking about, that he was able to pick up on and say, okay, I know what's coming, or at least I have a good idea, and that gave him a better opportunity to be successful. Every player on offense just has a habit, and if you look long enough, you will find it. And in their case, on the receiver side, you know, how they held themselves, if they had a – I mean, it was just crazy stuff, Hugh, that you wouldn't even think about, man, that, that maybe you had a fist – you know, when you have your hands out and you're in your stance, you're standing up as a receiver, and maybe, you know, your left hand one time is in a fifth position versus an open position, the receiver doesn't realize it, but he's doing that for a reason. And, you know, it may be because, well, he's going to make a quick end, or maybe he's just going to go block, or maybe he's, I mean, there's just so many parts of the game that they do not realize you know, how they set their feet, you know, where they're lining up, you know, if it, you know, five yards from the, from the open guy, from the tackle, the tight end, you know, whatever it may be. And, and boom, you've, you've got it. And if you look long enough and, and hard enough, you know, and it's hard, I mean, you've got to look, look, look in perspective, you know, I needed to be there uh, on the deep, you know, to, to, to save the game on the deep stuff. So I couldn't make a mistake coming up. So I need to be, you know, I, I I would look at a play and then I would go. I even went the year before to make sure that tackle or that guard or that center, whomever I was, I was watching on that that high set, that full set, that near set, whatever is a different guy, but make sure it was true, you know, to make sure. Right. Okay, he just didn't do this a couple times. So yeah, what Mike did, and, and Mike was a great film watcher. Lester was a great film watcher. And, uh, you know, we really honed in our skills in, in that secondary. And that's, that's one of the reasons we had a poster, you know, no passing zone. And because all the guys were committed and, and, uh, and a couple of guys, and Lester should be in the hall, a couple of those guys are Hall yeah. of Fame guys. And so that's why, it, you know, that's why it all worked. It, you can, there's a lot of great athletes that go on the NFL, Q, but, but they may think they're committed, but they're not. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They I don't get know clauses. Making any sense. <laughs> they, no, you are. They they get clauses in their contract to go watch film. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just saying. Exactly. You know, I I went on this big rant about it, and you know about Kyler and that whole contract situation, and right. he has to watch four hours of film. And I said, look, bottom line, if the team felt like he was doing enough, none of that would be in there, right? I mean, that's bottom yeah, line. Exactly right. That's, Obviously, he wasn't watching film. I don't mean to. You know, the guy's a great guy. I mean. I love that guy. And, yeah. And when I was our agency, I, I represented Cliff Kingsbury uh, as as a coach and, and, and what have you back uh, when I was in the business. And and Cliff loved him. I mean, he wanted him from day one. And, mm-hmm. and the guy is just so talented. But obviously, if you're having to put something so radical like that, which I've done a ton of contracts, and nothing like that would be in there. He wasn't watching film. Right. He was just depending on his own unique abilities to sort of just, you know, run around, find the guy, and do some different things. And, and obviously, it, 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 so 
was hysterical when you see that. You're going, oh, my goodness. Everybody has to know if you know anything about if you're a player and you've been there saying, man, the dude ain't watching film. That's what <laughs> right. Exactly. We, man, we had a great discussion about that here on the show. Again, we're talking with Van McElroy, former Raider safety here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And, Van, this time is always great to catch up with you. I definitely uh, love picking your brain and getting some of your thoughts. But uh, one final question, if – if you had to send a message to Raider Nation about Cliff Branch, maybe they're still kind of new to who Cliff was and what he brought to the game and what he brought to you as a teammate, what would it be? That the guy, outside of being an incredibly gifted athlete, a guy that changed the game just with his presence out there on the field, because he did, you always had to know where number 21 was uh, because he could change the game in a heartbeat. It could be seven points or six points real quick. He was a great guy. He was just a good, good dude, man. And he was he was funny. You know, he'd come pat you. You know, I mean, he might beat somebody. He'd be kind of – he'd be in his little legs and speak, man. He'd kind of jogging by you, man, just pat you. and said, dude, dude, you're going to, you know, maybe give you – he was always encouraging people. The guy was just a good guy, man. And, you know, where I come from, you can't say that very often. Because when you do say it, it's something special, you know? Yeah. And so outside of his greatness as an athlete, which was, man, you can go on and on about that, he was just a good man. He really was. I love it. I love it. Well, I can't wait to get to Canton and celebrate Cliff and see all the Raider Nation celebrate Cliff and see all the Raider alumni, including yourself, celebrate Cliff Cliff as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Van, have safe travels. Uh, I'm hoping to see you on Friday, my man, and we'll catch up. I'll see you, bro. We'll talk. Later. All right. Thank you. No, th- thank you. Appreciate you. Van McElroy right there. Great stuff from the former Raider safety. It's always great to catch up with Van. We've had him on the show probably three or four times, and every time feels like the first time, right? It's just a lot of fun and a lot of knowledge dropped out from Van McElroy right there, former Raider safety, Super Bowl champ, stories about Cliff, stories about ball in general, and, and – Damon, I mean, you remember that conversation I had with Mike Haynes, and he went into great detail about tendencies and what he was able to pick up from film study, from being able to see what guys' studies or their their tendencies were, and it just it made him that much better. Uh, Cliff did it, Van did it. I mean, it's just the greats will do it. The greats will do it. That was so good to listen to. I almost had a question, and it was gonna be, "Hey, how far back would you go and watch some film? How, like, how hard would you go to study someone?" Yeah. And he said, "Going back the previous year, just right. to make sure that it's not something a mistake or a one-off that a player did pre-snap." That's that's dedication to the game. It really is, and again, that's why he was who he was, right? And that's why that team, uh, you know, walked them in with open arms because they knew that that dude was a player. He was going to make it happen, and uh, I, I love it, man. I love hearing stories like that and just talking ball. I mean, I sit, I could have literally sat there and talked to to Van another thirty minutes, uh, and it wouldn't even have blunk, like blinked an eye. Would have had no hesitation. That was a lot of fun right there. Many thanks to Van McElroy for giving us some time. And as you heard, he'll be in Canton, Ohio on Friday, and I'm hoping to catch up with him. Probably won't do an interview, but just to be able to, you know, catch up and hang out for a few minutes like we did last season. 3.50 is the time. We'll come back, close out hour number two. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Really good conversation we just wrapped up with former Raider safety Van McElroy. That was fun to that was fun to talk. Talk some ball with Van McElroy. Uh, good stuff right there. Hopefully you you uh, got a chance to catch that. If you missed it, LVSportsNetwork.com. You can catch it a little bit later. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365. And uh, who are we talking to? Raider Reggie? Is that who you said was up? 
Ready, Reggie. It's been a minute. Welcome to the show. What's up? Bruh, first of all, I, I can't even get started without saying thank you. I love hearing Van talk, man. There's so many uh, OG Raiders that when they come on this show and talk, it's it's like I'm right there with you in the conversation. And then it's like I'm waiting for that nugget to drop because they always give you something that's like, man, that's so dope to be a be able to say you experienced that, man. So thank you for having this show. Thanks for having them on, man. And I'm calling you because I'm, I'm demanding that I get to kick it with you out there in uh, Akron, bro. We, we got to kick it. Okay, okay. It's all <laughs> will, good. I got you. I will be there. I got a lot of my folks are going to be there. We was there last year. I was actually checking all of so to see if my guy DeMond was going to be able to flow. <laughs> is he, he going to be able to get there? What's up? Uh, Not some, this time. Someone's got to do. Someone's got to do the heavy lifting in the background. Damn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we all got to start somewhere. Hey, Demond, I'm gonna lift one up for you, boy. I'm gonna flex on him. <laughs> but anyway, man, I just wanted to holler at you before I take off. I'm taking off tomorrow morning myself, and I know it's gonna take me a little bit because I'm I'm making a stop or two on my way there. But I'm hoping that I get to see you. Get to uh, share some times together with my my Raider Nation radio family and any other Raider Nation that's out there. If you could get there, I'm always telling you, you got to come out. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Let's do this. Cliff Branch all day. Speed kills. There you go. There you go. Raider Reggie, great call, my man. And, yeah, I know a large contingency of Raider Nation is going to be out there. I'm so excited to see how large it's going to be and what the party is going to look like, the festivity is going to look like. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. I remember last year how big and massive it was. And you're right, Raider Reggie, you don't get every single year to be able to go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and see a player from your favorite team be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, I said this last year. I wasn't sure who was going to be up next for the Raiders and so happy that it's Cliff Brand. I don't know. You heard Van McElroy say that Lester Hayes needs to be in. He does. You know, he didn't make the finalist list. That sucks. You know, I hate that for him. Uh, but he won't be there next year. So don't know who's going to be representing for the Raiders next. I'm assuming that it's going to be Lester. But we all know about assumptions and where they're going to get us, right? So uh, that's just my gut feeling. But, I mean, this, this might be, you know, one of your final chances to get to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and see a Raider uh, inducted uh, for a while, you know. And so, uh, you know, take advantage of it. And I remember JT, he had mentioned last year, like, hey, I don't know when I'm going to come back here. I won't come back again until Cliff gets in. And fortunately for all of us, <laughs> Cliff is going in this year. So I'm very excited about the opportunity. I'm kind of at the house right now just gathering my thoughts and figuring out exactly what I still have to do and all the packing I've got to do, trying to figure all that out. But, uh yeah, I'll be making that beeline to the airport pretty soon to get prepared and get ready for, uh, you know, for, for Canton, Ohio, and the trip out there to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. 3.57 is the time when we come back. Speaking of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, my guy Foss, Stephen Foster, he's going to be out there. He's from ESPN San Antonio. He's a big Cliff Branch guy, and he'll tell you why. We'll do that next here on Raider Nation Radio 920.